It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary three by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 967 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, June the 16th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, please make sure to subscribe, follow, rate, review, whatever it is your podcast app of choice tells you to do to the podcast that you like to support them. Please go ahead and do that. It's very much appreciated. All right. On today's show, we're going to do a bit of a news roundup because we kind of had like some canned programming ready to go on Monday, Tuesday with the uh, fantasy draft. Hope everybody enjoyed that, by the way. If you have not gone back and listened, you should. It's very good vibes. We talk about fun Raptors playoff games from their seven-year playoff streak, and it was a delight with Katie and Vivek. Two parts. Please go and listen. Uh, But yeah, we've not really kind of addressed breaking news a whole lot in the last little while. We were doing our season in review and all of that stuff. And so today we're just going to do a bit of a news roundup, hit on some big stories, hit on OG Ananobi not making all defense and get into why I think that is stupid. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam and his shoulder surgery, which uh, was big news over the weekend that we've yet to get to as well. I got a couple of listener questions in as well, and all of this is, of course, happening. Uh, I'm recording this at 2.30 in the afternoon on Wednesday. I'm recording a little bit late because I'm living under fear that some crazy cataclysm is going to happen to the Toronto Raptors, considering uh, the entire NBA is melting down today between injuries and firings and uh, gambling weirdos taking over as the top dogs in Dallas. There's a lot to dig into, and uh, I'm hoping the Raptors stay quiet. This has been kind of a nice day, a nice reminder of, frankly, why I was wrong to want the Raptors to make the playoffs in this stupid hell season between injuries, between just like the chaos and the uncertainty and COVID and everything. Uh, It seems like maybe the Raptors dodged a bullet by not being part of this uh, garbage storm, but uh, we'll get to some Raptors news. We will uh, start with Pascal Siakam, then we'll get into OG in the second segment in terms of all defense. But Pascal Siakam, As we learned over the weekend, I believe Friday afternoon, the news came down. He's going to be out for five months with shoulder surgery, which is obviously not great. Uh, You know, I'm guessing the injury probably took place late in the season. He missed a lot of the time at the end of the season, of course. You know, again, kind of speaking to the idea that 
Yes, the Raptors rested guys a lot down the stretch, but I don't necessarily think it was about trying to lose an improved lottery position as much as it was trying to preserve their guys who had been through the ringer physically this season and not wanting to overexert them, or they were just dealing with very, very real injuries that would later require surgery, as was the case with Pascal. So hopefully he's okay, obviously, first and foremost, we hope for a quick recovery. Uh, the timeline puts it, you know, probably up in the air as to whether or not he's going to start the season. You would figure he's going to miss all of training camp in the preseason. Maybe he can get in there for the start of the year at the late part of October if this sort of five-month timeline, if it's maybe on the short end of that. The surgery happened uh, last week or I guess maybe two weeks ago almost now, a week and a half. So we'll see uh, what the timeline is going to be. The big thing, obviously, is Pascal Siakam is a guy who is known for his extreme summer workouts, for his uh, using the offseason to improve his game. Of course, we saw that going into his most improved season in 2018-19, and then, of course, in 2019-20, he, he was you know tearing up the Rico Hines runs. We love Rico Hines' Pascal Siakam content, and we're not going to get that this year, but I kind of think maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Pascal Siakam just played basically 10 months of basketball without much reprieve. You know, the the offseason layoff between the Raptors' exit in the second round of the start of the year was extremely short. The stress of everything from Tampa to Pascal not touching a ball for months after the original shutdown last March, it all just seems like Pascal's been rushed through the development process that most guys get some time to actually sort of wade their way through and take some time and reflect and work on things in the offseason. Siakam's had no time whatsoever to reflect on anything, and the expectations for him have always been so high based on, you know, where things were when the Raptors won the title and sort of him taking over for the Kawhi role. That's obviously not the same player, but the same kind of usage and role in the team. It just, it's been such a rush, and there's been just no breathing room for Pascal. And so I kind of hope, honestly, he just takes the offseason to chill. Maybe the last thing he needs is more basketball after exclusively basketball for the last 10 months, more or less. And maybe it's just, okay, you know, cut your losses. You're not going to get a lot of time this offseason, but maybe there's a restorative nature to just taking some time away from the game. Hopefully that's the case. You know, obviously more than anything, you hope Pascal's doing well physically and mentally and all that. But, um, you know, it's a bummer for sure, but I don't think it should impact the outlook for the season all that much next season. You probably bake in a little bit of rust off the top of the year, just as he gets back into the groove after missing so much time. But I really don't think, you know, if you're talking about what the Raptors look like when it matters most next season, late in the year, I think Pascal will be just back to where he's supposed to be. He's a very good player. Uh, And I also think, you know, kind of looking at the attrition of the NBA playoffs right now and looking at the teams that had a lot of success this year, the teams that had long layoffs, the teams that had time to recuperate, I do wonder if the Raptors are going to kind of have a bit of an edge going into next season, even with the Pascal injury, just because they're going to have a longer offseason and more time to recuperate and just kind of get back to normal after what was, of course, a very dumb and bad season for the team. So all the best to Pascal. Hope he's doing well. If you want, I also wrote a piece about Pascal and his season on Raptors HQ today. If you want to go check that out as I kind of dove into the areas of improvement, why he's probably a lot better than he's getting credit for right now and sort of is perceived to be around the league. So, um, you know, I'm pro Pascal on this podcast. There's no doubt about that. And uh, wishing for all the best in his recovery from shoulder surgery. You don't want to mess with the labrum, man. Those are uh, or rotator cuff. One of those two things of the shoulder. Either bad, either are bad if you tear them. Hopefully he's doing okay. 
Uh, we're going to continue on and we're going to dive into OG Ananobi and his lack of an all-defense selection in just one second here. But first, before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Spotify Green Room. Ooh, Locker Room is rebranded, baby. They are now Spotify Green Room, but it's the exact same idea. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. It's free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I believe there will be many locker rooms going on today and tomorrow on Locker Room with our Locked On hosts talking about the truly insane collection of events that have gone on around the league. You can be part of those conversations every single day. Just download the app, currently available on iOS and Android. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the league group you're most interested in, NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, so on and so forth, and you'll get latest updates. Follow me at Sean Woodley to be notified when my rooms go live. I believe we're going to shoot to do one tomorrow at about 2 o'clock myself and Big V, so stay tuned for that. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live again this week, Thursday, 2 p.m. Can't wait to hear everyone there locker room changing the way we talk about sports the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, before we continue on here and dive into the all-defense conversation and the noted lack of OG Ananobi on the all-defense teams, I do want to uh, tell you about the Michelob Ultra Road to the Finals. Of course, the NBA Finals, NBA Playoffs are still going on, and a whole manner of things are going on. If you want to hear about Chris Paul going into the COVID protocols, you've got Locked On Suns. If you want to hear about Kawhi Leonard tearing his ACL potentially or having an ACL injury of some persuasion, go listen to Locked On Clippers. If you want to hear about Kevin Durant having one of the best basketball games literally ever played by a human being, go listen to Locked on nets for the breakdown there as well as always the road to the final our nba playoff coverage here on locked on is brought to you by Michelob ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season thanks to Michelob ultra for sponsoring the podcast all right let's get into the og ananobi all defense stuff the all defense teams came out Earlier this week, the first team was Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Ben Simmons. Hard to really have any quibbles with that. The second team, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Matisse Thibel. Maybe there's some quibbles with that. (laughs) I, I think, look, looking at the players who made it, this is the thing, is you can always say that people should be on the team. This happens with All-NBA even more, I think, where people are like, this guy didn't get love for All-NBA. There's only 15 spots. There's only 10 spots for All-Defense. Obviously, some people are going to be left left off who were deserving. And if you're going to quibble with guys who were snubbed, you have to, in turn, remove players from your list. Otherwise, you're just not really making a coherent argument whatsoever. My coherent argument is that Matisse Thibel should not be on this team. <laughs> like, ahead of OG Ananobi, that is. I think OG Ananobi should be on second team all defense. I thought that should have been the case basically all season long. 
All of the metrics suggest he is the most versatile defender in the NBA. It's either him or Ben Simmons, and OG actually defends each position a little bit more regularly than Ben Simmons does. He has had games this year where he would defend Malcolm Brogdon one possession, DeMontis Sabonis the next possession, Miles Turner the next. Like, he was everywhere. We all know how damn good OG Ananobi is at defense. And I I just, the Matisse-Thibel thing... If it were anybody else other than Thibel, I could talk myself into, okay, OG only played 43 of 72 games. He did, you know, he missed some time with COVID. He missed time with injury. Okay, maybe that's what disqualifies you. But Matisse Thibel, while he played more games than OG, played fewer minutes overall than OG Ananobi did. And not to mention, he played on a team with two other all-defense guys in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And not to say Matisse Thibel isn't a great defender, but it's a little bit easier to defend when you're sharing the floor with one of or both of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And it just kind of feels a little bit lazy to me to just say, okay, the Sixers had a really good defense. We should just put three guys on the all-defense teams and call it there. Like, it just feels like not a whole lot of thought went into that from the voters. And look, I know the voters give a lot of thought to this. For the most part, the ones who make stupid, idiotic choices are certainly the the outliers, I would say. I think the people who do have the votes usually put care and effort into it. But I think the Thibel thing here is just a really sort of all defense by association more than anything else. And again, if you're making the minutes argument or the games played argument for OG, then Thibel should be under the same sort of uh, critique because he played fewer minutes overall in the season than OG and lower stress minutes too because OG was playing with depleted supporting casts. He was playing with lesser defensive players around him. It just doesn't really compute to me. The other argument would be that, you know, <laughs> the Raptors had a bad defense. Bad defense, you know, you're not going to get a lot of love for it when your team stinks of defense. The teams that have guys on this team are the Bucks and the Warriors and the Sixers and the Jazz and the Clippers and the Heat. All very good defenses, all I believe top 10 defenses this season. You're more likely to get guys on the all-defense team if you're higher up in the standings. However, when you look at last year's Raptors team... That logic falls apart too because that Raptors team was the second best defense in the league and was, I think, kind of viewed as the most sort of innovative and kind of innovative and just sort of think piece inducing defense. You know, the Bucks did their thing with their drop coverage and their long players, and it was good. But the Raptors kind of changed the game and you know did some trend setting and sort of got zone back in vogue in the NBA and all that stuff. And they were the topic of many think pieces throughout the season. Mike Prada and his huge dig, deep deep dive into, you know, the seeing ghosts of the corner shooters when they play the Raptors. I think James Herbert did a good breakdown of it, of it as well. There were plenty of thoughts shared about the Raptors defense last season. And yet they didn't get any all defense players because I guess they had too many good choices and you couldn't put all five guys in the starting five on an all defense team. I mean, you can put three Philadelphia 76ers, sure, but the Raptors got none last year. And look, I don't want this to sound like bitter, small market energy fan complaint about anything. I just think it's like kind of illogical that neither of the last two seasons have seen a Toronto Raptor make all defense. OG this season was a better defender than basically everyone else at the forward position outside of, I would say, probably Giannis and Draymond. You want to say Bam Adebayo was better? Sure, I guess that's fine. He also played center, and it's weird that they have the positions the way they do. You know, 
Miles Turner was ahead of OG in voting as well. I thought he was fantastic this year. He got five first-team votes, 14 second-team votes, but he was in as a forward when he plays as a center on that Indiana team. Like, that's where he's at his best, is playing center and protecting the rim. How do you think he accrues so many blocks? It's not out on the perimeter chasing fours. It's he plays center. That's how he does it. And then the other guy to finish ahead of OG, OG got three second-team votes. Julius Randle got four second-team votes. And look, I think Julius Randle got a bit of a bad rap when these votes came out. He was really good defensively this year and fit into Tom Thibodeau's system very, very well. He was excellent. I'm not saying he's bad at defense. He was before. He's not now. But OG was ridiculous on defense. He's a better defensive player than Julius Randle, and I don't think you need 72 full games of a sample to see that. If any award is going to maybe not really need the full breadth of the season to really tell who should be on the teams, I feel like it's all defense. It's one of those things where you can kind of just tell, and if you're asking me who do I want defending a possession with the game on the line, Miles Turner, Julius Randle, OG Ananobi, Matisse Thibel. I'm taking OG 1,000 times out of 1,000, and I'm not really thinking about it. And it just seems like he kind of got an unfair shake in a year where everybody missed time. This was a hell season. If ever there was a year where perhaps the voters should have been a bit more lenient with games missed, it's this one. And still, you know, OG gets the bad, the, the, the raw deal. He gets to the, the, the short end of the stick. He gets just the three-second team votes. And... I know I shouldn't be bitter about this, really. It it does not matter in the grand scheme of things. It is all defense in a fake season, and OG is 23. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to make all defense. I would be pretty stunned if he didn't make it next year. He's going to be in all defense and all in defensive player of the year conversations in years to come. I'm certain of it. It just is a bit of a bummer that he didn't get the love he deserved for just a ridiculous defensive season. I mean, it's just, it was every single night he was shutting down late game plays of stars trying to score. He was, you know, again, switching across every position, defending every position capably or way more than capably. He was outstanding this year, and I thought he deserved some credit and some appreciation and some love in the all-defense conversation, and he just did not get it. And I guess the games thing is probably the culprit, but again... Matisse Labo played fewer minutes. So, you know, that's my, like, screed that we're, we're all kind of lean into the fan of it all, I suppose. It, it is, you know, something that I should not be so bitter about, I know, but it's hard not to be when it just feels like it is not something, you know, it, it just feels like the thought doesn't really go into this award the same way it, it, it does for other awards, and that sucks because, you know, you get guys who are deserving who kind of get left off and totally left out of the conversation. Anyway, that's where I'll leave that for now. OG's going to be there again. He's going to make all defense, I'm pretty sure, next season and, and many years from now. But uh, just a disappointing thing in the moment to see. But of course, you know, the Raptors maybe could have played better in one more games and it would have been fine. But whatever. Uh, we'll continue on. We'll take a couple of listener questions coming up in just one second here to round out the show. But first, I want to tell you all about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy they got nine amazing flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor on their website some of the flavors include raspberry mint brownie peanut butter brownie double chocolate i had double chocolate for the first time yesterday it rocks it's very good it just tastes like you're having a chocolate bar except it's giving you protein and energy and uh not really making you unhealthy or slobby or anything like that it's like eating a chocolate bar without eating a chocolate bar 
kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, again, most flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your first order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. You got baseball season in full swing. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. knocking dingers basically every day. If you want to bet on Vlad Jr. to hit a dinger, there's probably not a surer bet in sports right now, other than if you were to bet on the NBA melting down in some fashion every single day during these playoffs. Anyway, if you want to bet on your favorite sports action, go to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up contests, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. That's 50%, so you put in 100 bucks, you get 150 to play with. That's a great deal. Go to BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're going to round out today's episode with a couple of listener questions from you fine, fine people out there. Uh, first question here comes from uh, Tony East, our pal from Locked On Pacers, who uh, I think has a bit of an interest in this question. He asks, do you think Nate Bjorkren will come back to Toronto as an assistant next season? I don't really know how to read this one. Obviously, we had some reporting yesterday and then some uh, you know, conflicting reporting yesterday. It's kind of unclear as to what the hell is actually happening, but um, there is a report that Sergio Scariolo is going to Italy to coach Virtus Bologna, which would certainly deplete the Raptors coaching staff. They've already lost Chris Finch, of course. They uh, are down a bunch of guys. Uh, we're not really sure what the bench is going to look like next season. I, I'll admit to this, and I think I've admitted this before, I don't really have a concept of what makes a good assistant coach, frankly, uh, and I don't think anyone really does. I think it's kind of disingenuous to assume that an assistant coach will bring some sort of impact, positive or negative. With Nate Bjorkman, I, I really don't know how to read this one, because the reports out of Indiana suggest that there were some issues there, some communication issues, some problems with, um, you know, maybe some problematic stuff in terms of telling guys not to wear do-rags, which is kind of messed up. Uh, it's all kind of muddy because we don't know what the exact sort of goings on there were. I think I've mentioned this before, but you know, there's certainly got to be a part of the reporting that is sort of driven by the Indiana front office and the agenda there because they fired Nate McMillan basically for no reason year, year prior or without any sort of recourse. Yes, they had had some bad playoff luck and stuff like that, but it seemed a little bit premature, especially after giving him an extension like two days before they fired him. You know, it just was a bit of a strange call. And for Nate Bjorkman to come in and have so little success and to have things kind of go off the, ra- the rails there... You could see why the Pacers would want to save face by maybe leaking some stuff. That said, that doesn't mean it's all untrue. You know, there's got to be some stuff there that's accurate. It sounds as though there were some communication issues and maybe Nate Bjorken was a little bit of like a micromanager and a little bit too sort of intense for professional basketball players to really put up with. If that's the case, maybe it's just a case of Nate Bjorkman not being cut out for the personality management that comes with being a head coach. It's kind of the unspoken thing with head coaching searches, and it's sort of like the unknown variable. Whenever you hire a new coach, are they going to be able to do the head coach thing where it's not just you're working with individual guys on skill development. It's not just you're drawing up schemes and contributing ideas. It is we are I'm running the whole show here and I have to manage the egos and personalities of all the guys in the room. 
and not everyone's cut out for it. And we see it all the time. These sort of hotshot assistants come up and realize, oh, no, I have no personal skills whatsoever. And then they go back to being very good assistants at some point. You know, the guys who can actually work on person-to-person relationships are the ones who tend to have success. And so there's nothing to say that Nate Bjorkman can't be a good assistant. And I'm inclined to think that he's probably going to be back with Toronto. I I believe he's with Team Canada for the qualifiers. They're down in Florida actually doing their like opening media press conferences today. I believe he's part of that coaching staff. He was last year at least. I'm not sure 100% what his status is, but you know, we know that he's good friends with Nick Nurse either way. And I could see definitely that being sort of a a marriage that comes back uh, where where Bjorkman comes back and you know he's got a good relationship with the guys on the Raptors clearly you know Fred Van Vliet spoke super highly of him you know kind of questioned what was going on in Indiana questioned whether you know the guys in Indiana I believe this was in the final game when Fred was on the broadcast when he was talking about how you know some guys don't respond to uh, you know high expectations of winning and things like that bit of a shot it seemed at Indiana in some way and maybe their relationships with Nate and the Raptors are, are just fine. And so he comes back and he's an assistant and you go from there. There is also the side of, is the word out on Nate Bjorkman that he's just such a bad dude to be around and such a, a sort of toxic personality around players that maybe you don't want that because it might affect your ability to, you know, lure free agents and, you know, convince guys to come to your team and trade for guys and have them be happy when they arrive. You know, it's it's tough to say. All these dynamics are so behind the, the closed doors that we don't really have any idea. But I think there's a good chance Nate will be back just because of his very clear relationship with Nick Nurse and also because I don't think he's going to be on the head coaching uh, radar for any of these teams now the like six or seven teams that seem to have openings. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that Nate Bjorkman's back on the sidelines for the Raptors next year as their coaching staff looks pretty depleted as it is. And we'll see how they fill that out over the course of the summer. Uh, one more question here. This one comes from Mike Richmond, host of Locked On Blazers. He asks, Rafael Arujo or Aaron Baines? Uh, <laughs> what a cursed question. I hate it. Um, I think I got to go Baines on this one. Obviously, the expectations for this year's Raptors team were much higher than basically any of the years Hoffa was on the team. But, you know... Hoffa was such a more damaging signing for the Raptors. I mean, they were able to bury Baines by halfway through the season by getting new players to just and just decided to not play him. And, you know, he's going to open up cap space when they move on from him this offseason, surely, and all that. Whereas Rafael Arujo was a first-round pick, the first first-round pick, I believe, of the Rob Babcock era. And it was just so damaging. Like, it just sewered any chance of oh maybe they can put together a pretty good looking team and keep Vince Carter around and keep him happy you know if they had taken Andre Iguodala where they should have in that spot instead of Arujo you know what does a Carter Iguodala Bosch you know nucleus look like going forward and does that convince Vince Carter to stick around and to dunk again and to not mope his way out of town does that convince the Raptors that it's more worth trying to salvage the relationship with Vince Carter the Hoffa thing was just such a bad pick from day one. It was just a baffling pick from day one. He was a terrible basketball player, never did anything of note for the team, and it just sort of ushered in this era of ineptitude. You know, it was a precursor to the Vince trade, which was just a terrible, terrible trade, and, you know, just an unbelievably bad return for a superstar that you, that you trade out of town. Like, all of it was under that, and I don't like speaking ill of Rob Babcock now that he's passed, but it was a really bad era, and he did not do a good job, and the Arujo pick was kind of, I guess in hindsight, a bit of an ominous sign of things to come under Rob Babcock, and so I would say Aaron Baines 
purely because Arujo was just damaging to the franchise in a way that a you know a one year free agent signing really isn't, uh, and especially considering like the Raptors were on to the right idea with Aaron Baines. It just didn't work out the way you would have hoped. And, you know, there's lots of different factors at play here. Um, so yeah, I'll take Baines over Arujo basically any day, but I'm glad to never think of this conversation ever again either. And I will take Chris Humphreys over the both of them. How about that? That was the one thing Arujo did was he was traded for a marginal upgrade in Chris Humphreys. Yay. Uh, that's all I got for today's episode. Uh, just good to catch up on the news, I suppose. Good to talk about OG. Good to talk about Pascal. Hopefully we, you know, get some, uh, <laughs> I don't even know if it's like good news. Just like have the Raptors stay quiet for a while here. Maybe we hear Masai stuff. Maybe they, they lock him down here sometime soon, but uh, I'm kind of glad for the Raptors to be very much out of the, uh, you know, the conversation of, you know, the, the general news of the day-to-day in the NBA, because being part of the general day-to-day news in the NBA seems to be kind of a cursed thing right now. So happy the Raptors are laying low, and uh, hopefully they will stop laying low on June 22nd around 8.30 when they pull the lottery balls and they end up number one. That'd be great. Um, on that note, just a reminder before we go, you can still get into our draft lottery watch party next week. We're now in double digits of people who are going to be there. We've pushed over $1,000 earned as well. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it's going to be a blast. We're going to do trivia, Q&A, react to the lotto results, have a couple of drinks. It's going to be awesome. And of course, the way to get in is to donate 25 bucks or more to either the Indian Residential School Survivor Society or to Islamic Relief's uh, Palestine Emergency Fund. Please consider donating and send me your receipts for your donations and you'll be added to the list and I will get you that password on the day of when we fire up the Zoom watch party. So thanks in advance. And again, you can go to my Twitter for my pin tweet there for all of the information there. Last thing, uh, just uh, plug a thing I wrote. Uh, go to Raptors HQ. I wrote a thing about Pascal Siakam's season. I mentioned it earlier on. I thought it was pretty good and dove into why you're wrong about Pascal Siakam if you don't think he's awesome. He was really good this year in a lot of ways and improved in a lot of very important ways. And yes, there were some down parts. There were some nadirs in his development and, you know, the, the bubble still kind of looms large as a, as a big failure. But if you kind of take a step back and you sort of give him some time and space and you just sort of appreciate him for what he is, he's a pretty damn good player. And I hope you read the piece over at Raptors HQ. Uh, That's going to do it for today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Not sure what the uh, plan for tomorrow is going to be just yet. Probably some sort of draft related thing. And then Friday, we're going to have Raphael Barlow from Locked on NBA Draft. And we're going to talk even more draft as the lottery is now less than a week away. And we're going to dig into some big prospects the Raptors should be keeping their eye on. So uh, that'll be fun. Raphael's great. And I'm looking forward to him making his debut on the pod. Go listen to Locked on NBA Draft in the meantime, as he hosts, I believe, two days a week over there. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.